Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm going to do that again. Actually, do you know what? No, that's staying in. This is, that's, wow. this is real. It's raw. What week. a raw podcast. We're, we're going raw. Um, I am Dale Driver, and I'm joined with Jesse Gomez. Hello, Jesse. <laughs> Hello, Dale. How are you? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Uh, I'm also joined with Matt, who just dropped a massive bombshell on us. He just told us what the word scumbag truly means. Matt, do you want to share that for the audience? Yeah, so this morning I discovered that actually scum is a old, I think it's Victorian era word uh, for ejaculation. Um, <laughs> That's not what you said earlier. No, no. Uh, maybe better, the after known. midnight word. <laughs> Perhaps better known these days as cum. Uh, and so <laughs> if you are a scumbag, you are a condom. Oh, How did you come across true. that? Uh, it was in a TikTok that I watched this morning. Oh, right. Fair enough. <laughs> That's where Source everyone all gets knowledge. all their important knowledge from these <laughs> yeah. days is TikTok videos. Classic. <clears throat> Guys, we've got a lot to talk about this week, actually. Look oh, yeah. This. We didn't think we, we did earlier on, but we do. But a big thing is it comes out today, I believe, is Ghostwire Tokyo. <gasps> Matt has played Ghostwire Tokyo. I have mm-hmm. played Ghostwire Tokyo. Jesse. How much of Ghostwire Tokyo have you played? I have played two hours and I've had my fill. <laughs> oh, okay. So then we've got your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I've So I've finished the game. Matt, you finished the game as yep. well, right? Um, I am a freak and I've also got the Platinum Trophy in that game. <laughs> Absolutely, um, I'm a freak. But I would say I don't know if that trophy is like truly representative of the um, the fun I had with that game. I think um, there's a lot to love. I think I'm sure Matt will agree with the sentiment of exploring Tokyo in that game or Shibuya specifically I suppose is like fantastic yeah especially for someone who's never been there as well like I'm, mm. sure, I'm sure it has value for people who have been there but it just felt like such a different environment than you ever get to experience in an open world normally it's got yeah. such an authentic like city feel right like it's got all mm. of those weird like little back streets and kind of like the odd different levels of a city and all the kind of like Grime's the wrong word, but kind of like the stuff that you don't think about putting in an open world because it doesn't make sense from a level design perspective, but from a mm. genuinely creating a city perspective, all of those little nooks and crannies that run around. I really yeah. like like going into a back alley and finding some sort of freak that's down there. <laughs> there's so there's so many of those back alley, alleys as well that are just such tiny little narrow gaps or they go, you know, they they sort of taper off into nothingness mm-hmm. and just do like mm. a thin gap. And I just thought it's it's really interesting. Also, like Alex made fun of me earlier this week for mentioning it, but and, and games of open world games for a while have talked about verticality, but this one really feels like it matters. Like yeah, verticality it's, it's, it's is a thing that got, I'm not expecting at all. It's got like a nice scale to it, just being able to actually climb up on near enough anything and just see a city landscape that's, you know, completely different to, you know, like the San Fran's LA's and just anywhere else you've seen in a game. Yeah. It's just very refreshing but you say climb up as well like it's quite earlier on in the game i don't know if you got to this point jesse but you there's tengus in the city Mm. that you can um use your magical powers i suppose to um warp to so the and and also there's a glide ability which is almost like you know a soft sort of flying ability and then you can upgrade these abilities so by the end of the game you're zipping around that skyline and flying around the city like so easily and uh, it just it it really is impressive seeing Tokyo from that height as well and knowing that there's a lot to do and explore at that height. Mm. It's not just there for the sake of it. There's actually activities up there yeah. to do. That's the fun part about Ghostwire Tokyo. <laughs> um, for if you don't know, haven't seen much on it, There's uh, so it's all about uh, supernatural, clues in the name. Um, uh, Akito, your main character, is possessed by a spirit called KK who has... Uh, supernatural abilities, including being able to... Do, do they actually call it anything in the game beyond firing magic? Oh, it's called, uh, like, ethereal weaving, I think, there is the actual go. name of the, the yeah. technique. That sounds sick. So, it's yeah, it sounds like perhaps a bit more exciting than actually what it is. It is basically just reskinned weapons. Yeah. It is a first-person handguns, isn't it? Court. Yeah. I mean, one of them is a handgun, basically. One of them is a shotgun, and one of them is a grenade launcher. That's about all you get in the oh, game. And also, my, like, physically, like, handguns. You're doing, like, mad signals oh, right. with your hands <laughs> shooting and stuff. Like, yeah, that's pretty the, entertaining, the first to be honest. One, the first one you get, which is the wind one, is very much like the physical animations is, like, doing pop-pop handguns, <laughs> yeah. where you're kind of firing through your two fingers. But, um, yeah, there's not a huge amount of quote-unquote weapon variety no. in this game mm. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite disappointing, actually, because I was really excited at the prospect of it as well. I thought um, it feels like the elemental part of it doesn't really mean anything. It's yeah. just a, it's just a visual skin. Mm-hmm. Like, because like I just said, like there's a water element, but it doesn't act like water. It's just, it's a shotgun blast. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a skin of a shotgun. Yeah. And I was really expecting there to be a lot more of this as well, like a lot more variety. And to, so to only have like three elements, and then you've also got a bow and arrow as well, but to only have three elements felt like quite disappointing to me. Mm. The other thing I expected is, and I would, I thought I'd missed something. So you obviously, like, like a lot of these games have, you have kind of like a uh, an encyclopedia you can go into where you can read like all the enemies that you've encountered. And like to its credit, there are actually a good variety of, of different enemies. Quite a lot of the times it's like you meet one enemy and it has different like, for lack of a term, evolutions where you find like, like some of them are quite clearly dead office workers. And then you find yeah. the ones that are like a bit fatter. And then you find yeah. the ones that are clearly like the bosses. And I sort of assumed that there would be like, oh, these ones take more damage from wind, but you need to use yes. fire against these ones. Like that system just doesn't exist in this game. I thought I'd missed it and was like, there must be a way to make combat kind of like more like efficient and more fun. Well, and- so there's not like any like mix and match and like I need to use this specific no, weapon for this no, enemy. And- none of that. And it, yeah, like- it feels like it's so like from the outside it looks like it's built to be like doom where it's like this mm. weapon works really well against this type of ghost yeah. and unfortunately it just doesn't exist which means that the combat grows old pretty quick mm. yeah I've, i mean i think in general the combat is really clunky anyway mm-hmm. yeah like i felt like really tired of, throw, of pressing that trigger by the end of it um but also like to step on the point what you've just sort of made Every en- you take down every enemy the same. It's not just about what element you choose, but the way you kill them mm-hmm. is exactly the same. They all have a core inside them, and you have to. Your job is to expose that core by firing your weapon at them, and then pulling that core out, whether it be to destroy it with a blast or by doing a melee attack close up. Yeah. Oh, actually, sorry, no. You can do a melee from a distance as well, which um, throws like a sort of lasso thing, mm-hmm. and, and you use hand gestures to pull it out. But every single enemy in the game is that's how you fight them and how you take them on. And they have, it's a shame really, because they have such an incredible visual variety and design. Like the design, like some of those, like when you first experience them are really terrifying. Like when they're up in your face, Mm -hmm. there's this um, almost like Lady Dimitres style giant lady in there with giant scissors as well. And she has like a trench coat on. And she is like terrifying. She bolts it straight at you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really intimidating until you realize that, you know, just keep backing away and throw your blast <laughs> and then rip the core out like you do every other boss. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like a lot of missed opportunities, this game. Yeah, mm. I kind of, I said to you earlier on when we were playing it, Dale, the idea of like, I kind of wish there were a bit more like puzzles in the way that Dead Space sets its enemies up in, the, in mm. Dead Space. Every enemy, you can obviously cut like the limbs off and there are distinct patterns that you want to look so like the ones that are very very fast you'll use like the buzzsaw to cut their legs off Mm. and then you can attack them while they're on the ground and i feel that idea of you poking away at their outer core so you can get to their inner core should have been developed into kind of more of like a puzzle system where it's like oh these ones that don't have heads you need to find a different way to fight them because the head would have been the weak spot and these ones have got like the the clothes that they wear dictate like how you tear them apart and that would mm. tie into like the elemental um like system it's got and the fact that it doesn't have any of those connections any of those ideas it does almost feel like it's the basic version of what this game could be yeah, yeah. I, I think the uh, thinking about it the only variety i can really think of is some of them have umbrellas which they use as shields yeah. you have to break <laughs> their shields away and you can you destroy the umbrella eventually and it, like they'll mm. break the shield away but apart from that it's kind of like rinse and repeat i think even a short-term fix a simple fix sorry could have been just hiding the core in a different part of their body yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. you having to find out where like firing at different body parts to find out where the core is hidden so exposing that i mean like, killer seven did the exact same thing with different sort of spirits in yokai that you're trying to target you know weaknesses where one enemy might have it on his chest another might have it on its leg and stuff and i feel like thematically that could have fit with the game because you're dealing with spirits yokai ghosts and stuff yeah. and it's just that's i think that's why i just sort of stopped playing because 
like visually it was very impressive but mm-hmm. the combat like that's the core thing and it just i feel like it has no momentum granted i didn't really put much experience points or skill points into my character so you know obviously at some point he'll get a bit faster but just yes. to, from the get-go it just felt so slow and i felt like yeah i'm going to be repeating the same actions through and through and i just lost and, interest. and those those skill trees don't actually do a huge amount to change oh is the it like two percent bonus yeah. damage and it's, shit. it's not quite I, as bad as that but it i don't think it makes a huge difference to the way you mm, play the game okay yeah. i would say if you're if you're playing the game and you want to invest your skill points, absolutely invest them into your maneuverability stuff. So you yeah. can glide longer, so you can fly. There's also a skill involved um, with the verticality stuff. I don't want to spoil what it is. Like you get later on, that makes things like so much more yeah. fun getting around. That's the first skill point I put into was the gliding thing because that's the element I enjoyed the most because I want to explore the world. But then you've got this annoying fog everywhere and the guy's like, oh, I don't want to go through there. So I'm just like, just let me explore the world a bit, but I know that's tied to story reasons and shit. Yeah, but, but it's also tied to Ubisoft trope of clear, like mm-hmm. open up sections of the map, right? Yeah, yeah. It's very much like I saw this game in preview, and my first thought was initially I was shocked at how Far Cry it was. Mm. Like I really thought this game. Well, I guess the marketing material led us to believe that this game was way more horror influenced. Yeah, and you expect um, that from Tango GameWorks. I and guess. it has it has elements of horror, but it's, it's an action game, and it's yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's like a Ubisoft Vagar game. There is outposts that you have to mm. clear, and then there's they call them there's Tory shrines that you open, and it clears a section of fog on the map. Like mm. you know exactly the fare you're getting with it. And if you like that sort of game, and I do like that sort of game, it you know it is a decent version of it because of how nice it looks and how cool the city is to explore. Yeah. Outside of that, though, yeah, I think um, Matt earlier in the week you mentioned to me like. It's kind of a cliche, isn't it, to say, like, it's the Assassin's Creed 1, and what could Assassin's Creed 2 version yeah. of be? Mm. But it does feel like that. It does feel like it has a lot of potential. They just need to invest a bit more into the core, like, combat side of things. Yeah, yeah. I think especially if they're going to have... Because combat, I think it's a lot heavier on combat than I thought it might mm. be. I was expecting mm. it to be a little bit more of an even split between exploring and kind of, like, finding all sorts of weird stuff and an action but it's not it's very mm. action heavy and it's very action heavy to lead you to do quite simplistic um like objectives like a lot of this game is going around and picking shit up yes and yeah. there's a lot of collecting in yeah, this game. like my tolerance for picking shit up kind of exhausted in about 2009 yeah. like i want something that's <laughs> a bit more and for a moment it was giving it me because it does have some like really fun side quests which are Mm. quite often built around like almost little vignettes of japanese horror there's like a really nice one where you go to a hotel and there's a guy that's been trapped by a yokai in his hotel room but the story is about how the dude has just kind of like consigned himself to die in there but he's okay because there's a painting in there that he really (laughs) likes (laughs) Um, and there are ones that are creepier than that and there are ones that do like really good stuff with like the environment around you Mm. but the more I went on, the more I realized they're actually quite few and far between. And a lot of the side quests will just be a crying ghost saying, can you go and collect this for yeah. me? Yeah. Oh, like uh, almost all of them boil down to um, there's some sort of evil spirit. Yeah. You got to get rid of. Mm. <laughs> it's like that. I th- there is some really funny ones. There was one, um, I don't know if you've done it and I won't spoil what happens in it, but there's a, you, um, so this game is uh, produced, executive produced by Shinji Mikami, who's obviously Resident Evil fame. Mm. And there was a bit when I walked past a bit and I could hear Moonlight Sonata, which is obviously a very <laughs> famous song from Resident Evil playing. And I investigate and there's this spirit of a young girl playing Moonlight Sonata on the piano. Right. But there's an issue with what she's doing. Every time she plays it, it makes like more spirits appear, more ghosts mm. appear and things. That, and you have to, and it's like a little mystery that you have to solve. And that was quite a cool one. There was also one with an influencer. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> There's one with an in, uh, like a ghost influencer that who's in there, but they've been one. like haunt. But then they've been like, there's so many of their demons inside their flat, and you've got to find where they all are. <laughs> there's um, I think, but those ones like stick in my memory are too few and far between with all the ones yeah. that I did, where it was just come in. There's a spirit, fun spirit, kill it. Yeah, exercise it, whatever you're doing. So yeah, it's just yeah. I, th- I think it has a lot of good ideas. Mm. but none of them seem like they've really hit the nail on the head with like, them. I feel like I want to see Tango Gameworks do something outside the realm of horror. I feel like this is, you know, a step a bit far from, obviously, the Evil Within, Evil Within 2, which is more horror. This is a little bit more action and stuff. But I feel like they've been making sort of horror experiences, which is 
teeter around like a six and a seven since yeah. the studio started. I want to see what they're capable capable of outside of the realm of horror. Just something yeah. a bit more different. I think Ghostwire is like a, a a bad idea in a certain respect because <laughs> like well they're clearly going for a more of action game route because they think you know people want an action game. But all the marketing material and presentation makes this look like a horror game. Yeah. So I feel like you're going to lose a lot of people because they think it's a horror game. But the mm. people who want a horror game are going to be disappointed that it's an action game. I thought there was so, going to be more stealth involved as well. But like you can do a stealth kill. But as soon as you do one, everyone's like, oh, I know where you are. Now I'm going to kill yeah. you. So I'm like, what's the point? See, man? Like <laughs> I'd, there was, I won't name the outlet because I don't want to get everything. But there was an outlet that suggested that this was kind of like something like Dishonored, but in Japan. And I was what? like, oh, okay, this <laughs> yeah. is my sort of shit. And because I didn't do any of the previews or anything like that, and it's it it's just not that at all. No. And <laughs> no. if it had got that thing where you could stealth it or you could action it or you could yeah. like use the environment more to your advantage, this would have I would have been more endeared to it, even though it's quite clearly in the rough. But yeah. I kind of came away from it like I did fifteen of the side quests. I cleared the entire map. I did all the Tory gates, um, and I finished the story and. I got my fill of it. Like I got out yeah. of what, what I want and I'm probably not going to go back. Like, yeah. I, we cannot underestimate. Like there was so many collectibles in this game, like an insane amount. And, and you got them all. Yeah, I did. But there was a <laughs> reason man. why I did Well, I did it for work. Like, let's be clear. But um, mm. I think it's disappointing for me that I find, because I remember I, I started playing it before the other guys on the team and just said like how collectible heavy this is because collectibles are a big part of leveling up your character in that game and that's the yeah. disappointing part it's not optional like if you want to play that game through to completion you kind of have to collect mm -hmm. a lot of spirits mm. to gain xp it's the best way to gain xp in that game um so yeah it is very collectible heavy saying that though like it's not that long of an open world game it's on the short side in terms of open world and if you do fancy you know a bit more of that far cry ubisoft open world but you want to do it in a cool tokyo then 100% check it out. But like, I'm just really hoping that they make a sequel and they they build on what they've started. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got style, which I really yeah. like. Like, there's not a game that I've played that looks like this that has like the same sound design that this has got. Like, all of that mm. is really very cool. I just think that it's it's like incredible wrapping paper on what is basically <laughs> just like advent calendar chocolate. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Yes. <laughs> It feels yeah. it feels like I've been playing the same open world game for like the past eight years, just in different locations. To be honest, kind of. like yeah, I just want something different. Yeah. Speaking of something different, Matt, mm -hmm. you've watched a film. Yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, so there have been there've been two like really good films drop on Disney Plus recently, and I just want to mention Turning Red is amazing, but I'm not going to yes. chat oh, too much about that because everybody's spoken about how good Turning Red is. But it's I genuinely banging. think it's one of the best Pixar films for a very long time. I, just I feel like people it. aren't talking about Four Town enough either. Like, <laughs> their songs are good. Yeah. Like, I, li I watched the whole credits listening to their music. Well, it was, it's, it's Billy <laughs> Eilish, isn't it, and her brother that, that write the yeah. songs for it. And it's like, it's yeah, no yeah. wonder how good it is because they actually got proper musicians to do it. But I love that film so much. Yeah. But the film that I think less people are talking about that has just landed on, on Disney Plus, and it's not a very Disney film at all, it's in the stars <laughs> kind of bracket, oh. is a film called Fresh. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to kind of talk about this film in stages so like you can decide to skip forward in the podcast a little bit to the next segment if you've heard enough. Because mm. I do think it is a film that really benefits from knowing as little as possible going mm. in. So what I will say is that it is a film about modern sort of like tinder style dating and about how wrong that can go right okay. so if you're interested in that go and watch it and it, it goes places and it's really playfully directed which i really like about it it's got you know her kind of like Vince Gilligan directs Breaking Bad and he loves to stick like the camera on the on in like baskets yes. and, and in mm. odd like it does those kind of things and it's got it stars Sebastian Stan as the guy in this sort of like duo and um Daisy Edgar Jones who was Marianne in Normal People if anybody okay, subjected yeah. themselves to Normal mm. People I watch Normal People it's, I mean I, I see why you say it's subjective it's yes. brilliant it's, but it's a tough watch <laughs> yeah it's tormented yeah. yeah um so th these are the couple that are kind of together 
and Sebastian Stan is having the absolute fucking time of his life in this role. It is so far removed from Moody Winter Soldier, the <laughs> stuff that he gets to do in this film. I'd say he was having the time of his life playing Tommy Lee Jones in Pam and Tommy yeah, as well, to be yeah. fair. So, so this is the thing that I find oh, Tommy interesting Tommy Lee Jones, about him. that's a different person, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he gets to um, do like his brooding stuff in the MCU and then his other roles, he's clearly looking for something that's a bit more off the wall. And this yeah. is a character where he gets to be off the wall. So, so is this a horror film? I would say that it has elements of horror, but I would not say that it is a horror oh, film. But it is so more like a thriller kind it, of mystery it's, deal. It's kind of like a twisted thriller. Right, right, right. Where you want to go. Is it a bit like that documentary that was on Netflix recently? Was it The Tinder Swindler or something like I've that? I've never watched that, so I don't okay. want to say if it's anything. So I, I only caught bits of it. My wife was watching mm. it, but it was about somebody on Tinder who was pretending to be like a multimillionaire and he was conning a bunch of women into thinking that he was in love with them and then he was taking them no. and stealing their money so, so it's not like that it's it's it is a case of two people meeting over a dating app and the guy is definitely not who he says he is yeah. right but um i love it plays with that and it makes you wait because the credits don't start like the opening credits don't start until 30 minutes in so what okay. you do is you get <laughs> the opening of a rom-com right i like it and then when you realise that things aren't going how a date should go, then it rolls the credits and the credits are fucking like all over the place weird. <laughs> and then you get like, as I say, this kind of thriller where things are like going downhill at pace and nice. he is just wild and she is doing like all she can to like hold together through kind of like your next hour and a half of kind of like, you know, twisty, playful very kind of like darkly comic like i found this really quite funny but i think like if i showed it my mum she'd be fucking horrified <laughs> <laughs> it so does I, sound cool yeah i think i'm gonna watch it tonight actually i looked at watching it last night but i finished up watching the thing i'm gonna talk about afterwards mm -hmm. um but yeah like i i don't know much about it but it's, it's one of those things when you hear people say like don't look at it just watch it that mm. always makes me like that. That's probably the most intriguing thing people can say to me about mm -hmm. a movie yeah. or a TV show. That always makes me want to watch it. Yeah, it's 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 kind of written and directed by women, so it's kind of got like it does have this like I suppose kind of feminist undertone to it, but it's done mm. so playfully and with kind of like a twinkle in its eye, and uh, in a in a way that in certain ways reminded me a little bit of some of what Jordan Peele does in that okay. kind of like like. He, he'll make something that like us and, and uh, Get Out are quite twisted films mm. but they're telling a message even though they're supposed to be funny in their twisted way like Get Out is quite yeah. amusing yes um, but it's it's telling a more kind of serious story while it's it's, it's, taking... got, it's got a message behind it yeah. Um, yeah and it's got like real good use of music which again like Jordan Peele does that as well like it's got mm -hmm. great needle drops and the way that it kind of playfully uses kind of like levity and elements of kind of like tricking characters into believing what their situations are different to what they are like okay. it, it's it's really really good and i can see it's a film that i know that if you weren't like if you didn't have the capacity for twistedness in your humor um you come <laughs> out of this just thinking like this is absolutely horrific and like oh, okay. it's a terrible <laughs> film that has no good no good merits to its story or anything like that but sounds I, like i'm gonna love it i think it's got like a real good like mm. playful sense of humor to tell a good sort of like cautionary tale okay. yeah i'm interested that sounds very fun who's the who's the directors um or writers give me a second anyone, have they done so they've only Sorry. done shorts before um okay but so let probably me, won't know them then i should uh i should i'll give them the shout outs that they deserve on so it's um mm. directed by mimi cave and which is, and this is her first like actual film um yeah, and nice. it's the screenplay is written by lauren khan um again has only done shorts before but like it's made by legendary pictures like it's not a it's not yeah. like a, a low budget thing even though it's set mm. in small confines and it's produced by adam mckay so like it's got some oh, that obviously believes in it behind it yeah. um it's been out in america for a little while it was started on hulu but it only came out last week over here and yeah, I just think like uh, it, it's such a great flick. I really, really yeah. enjoyed it. It's oh, got Jesus. a 
fresh certified mm. rating on I mean, it'd be weird. as well. <laughs> it'd be really annoying if it didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm glad it sticks with that thematic sort of ranking. Yeah. I'm happy about that. Um, I've been watching, like I just mentioned earlier, I've, I've been watching a new show that I only started watching, I think on Monday this week. Mm. And there's eight episodes and I finished it last night. Um, that might show you like how engaging I thought it was. Uh, so it's called The After Party and it's on Apple TV. The reason I only just, I, I believe it started in January and it's been running an episode a mm. week. Mm. Um, but the only reason I started now is because I decided on PlayStation 5, if you go on your Apple TV, you can get six months free, which is very good. I oh, what, just by going it. on it? You log into the um, Apple TV account with your Apple ID, your existing one. I don't know if it matters whether you've had a free trial before or yeah. anything like that. Um, I don't. Turns out I hadn't. If it mm. if it does matter, uh, so I just went on. I got six months free because I went on there to watch. I want to watch Severance. I haven't started that yet. Right. I also want to watch a Beastie Boys documentary. Uh, I wanted to check out Mythic Quest and a couple of other things. Like Apple TV is like sort of feels like slowly like dropping premium stuff like out of yeah. nowhere like although i would say it doesn't seem like there's more than like half a dozen good shows worth checking out but i do want to check those shows out but the after yeah. party is one i heard about so the after party is about a high school reunion uh like 15 years after they've left school and they all go have their high school reunion and they go to an after party afterwards and at the after party one of the main characters is killed that's oh. right in the that's literally the start of the first episode and then it becomes a classic who done it with mm. a detective arriving and speaking to everybody and then trying to find out all their stories and get out and work out who killed this guy and the guy um that they killed is dave franco and he's a character called xavier <laughs> who's a famous pop star and actor right um there's a really really funny scene in the the first one so they show he's, he some of his acting work he was in a movie version of hungry hungry hippos um <laughs> this is a sort of it's got a lot of humor so this is a sort of vibe we're looking at so it's i love very fake dark movie comedy. trailers and shit in films he's That's also in a biopic of hall and oates and he, I, can't, <laughs> I don't I can't remember which one but in that um it's you see a quick clip of it. It's Channing Tatum is playing Hall or Oates, which is what it is. <laughs> and there's a fantastic joke where he says something about, oh, this city, this city is the eater of men. <laughs> and then he goes, what did you just say? And then they write money. And it's just, oh, it's so funny. Um, that's all in the opening stuff. Uh, but yes, he's been killed. But And it turns out at this party, everyone kind of has an agenda against him because he's a famous pop star. He's also a bit of a dickhead as well, as you might imagine. What follows is like, something i didn't expect so every episode has its own genre oh. so every so so you know how you said it fresh it starts off as a rom-com yeah mm. uh, literally the second episode is a rom-com then they have a horror episode they have an animated episode they have a musical episode sounds like community <laughs> a little bit like that yeah but it's it's um it's really interesting because it leans into each one of these characters so like ben schwartz is in this and he his episode is the musical episode but the idea is he's an aspiring uh, pop star mm -hmm. who is almost who's jealous of Xavier because he's become famous. Mm. And, but he in this, it will, you know, you see the same set of events happening from the high school reunion and the after party, but you just see it from different people's perspectives. Right, and some okay. people are drunk or intoxicated and they see it in a different light or a different angle. Some people hear things differently. And it's just, it's fascinating watching it go. And like me and my wife were watching it and we were always like, I wonder what the next episode is going to be. Like what genre this is one's going to be. And you get excited when you see a clue of what that might be. There's one that, oh man, no, no I don't want to say. Cause it's that, like, you know, that sounds really, really fun. Cause I, yeah, I feel like I've been, I've been watching like so many serious and sad shows. I've been blasting through Mad Men cause I feel like I haven't watched right. good TV in years since, you know, Marvel and Star Wars are sort of dominated. Um, yeah. So just watching something that's actually just funny, yeah. like, I feel like I want to just have so that. So it's not like it's not like overly funny, but it is consistently funny. You know, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. lots of aha moments as well. Also, it is a good whodunit as well. Like, I really enjoyed the ending and the reveal mm. as well. Um, I will say a couple of the latter episodes, the genres kind of like didn't appeal as much and it lost a little bit of the charm towards the end mm. uh, but i think there's some at the start there's a couple at the start there's one of them with what's the guy's name from um he's in bad neighbors as well uh ike Barinholtz. do you know him he's no. like seth rogan's yes. best mate mm. in bad neighbors he's he's one of the main characters in it and he's got an episode and that was my by far my favorite it's so much fun like i think you'll really like get a kick out of that episode mm. um mm. 
So uh, who else is it? Ben Schwartz is in it. Obviously, Dave Franco plays the pop star. Um, it's also got Tiffany Haddish in it as the detective. I do think that's probably the weakest part of the show for me. I just, I just, I don't really enjoy her work. I've never really like found her that funny, to be honest. Mm. Uh, personal preference. And she, I never really bought her as a detective in this because she is very <laughs> Tiffany Haddish plays Tiffany Haddish in this right, okay. show. That's a minor criticism though. Apart from that, I would say like definitely check it out. It's a lot, like you said, Jesse, it's a lot of fun. Mm. Very worth watching. I think. Oh, that's, it's that done by pretty good. Christopher Miller, isn't it? Yes, Love it is. Lord, Lord of Miller. Miller mm-hmm. Lord of Miller Productions. I think Christopher Miller is, I don't think Lord is involved with it. Mm-hmm. It's just Miller. Right. Um, but yes, no, it's very good. Check out the music's really cool in it as well. The presentation's really good. Um, yeah, it's worth well worth watching. Jesse, <laughs> yesterday we were putting together a running order and I was like, uh. have you got anything for the podcast? And you were like, no. And I was like, right, tasking you <laughs> to come up with something. So I've labeled this Jesse's super secret segment. <laughs> wow us, what have you got? I'm just going to say off the bat, set your expectations <laughs> low. All right. Okay. Um, so well, not, this is, is this not going to be a recurring uh, feature of the podcast, do you think? De- definitely not. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's something that I that really took me by surprise. And it's probably it's definitely like a late to the party scenario and stuff like that. And maybe okay. some of the people who listen and maybe some of you, like you two might actually already be watching this. But um, like just to preface, I've, I'm sure I've mentioned this in prior podcasts. I've never been a fan of sports before, like whether it's cricket, okay. basketball or whatever. But um, I did, however, grow up having to watch a lot and even sometimes play football and stuff. You know, having a large Spanish and Portuguese family, it's going to okay. do that to you, but it's never really clicked for me. So in terms of sports, never really been a fan. But last weekend... You watch Green Street too. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is going to make you think I now enjoy football. It's a different case entirely. I was browsing Netflix and I saw a show called Formula One Drive to Survive. And okay. if, if you don't know what it is, it's like a multi-episode documentary that um, it already has a few seasons. Each season follows like, you know, the 2018 World Championship, the 2019, so on and so forth. Um, and it gives you like an inside look into the world of Formula One, following different races and teams throughout the seasons. Now, I can imagine that these sports documentaries are probably like a dime a dozen. I don't know. But when it comes to this particular series there's like there's so much like brutal honesty like heart and just drama and overall it's just it's mad entertaining i was so surprised to be introduced to the world of f1 like that and this this, is this your introduction to f1 you don't normally watch it i've never watched any any sort of live sports like really got into it ever but i'm just ever like why so what made you click it then I, f- I feel like it might have been just because I've been playing a, an okay amount of Gran Turismo 7. So maybe I had it in my mind. I was just like, you know, I yeah. kind of want to see what a professional real life drive-in just event, sport event is like. And just as, a, as an example, in season one, you're following this sort of like underdog team of that year, which is mm-hmm. um, Team Haas. And there's like a lot of really intense and human moments. And like um, one example is that during a race, like a new mechanic on the Haas team didn't install a wheel properly. Yeah. That ends up causing the teams to like lose what could have been a fantastic finish. And you end up seeing the mechanic responsible afterwards, like, you know, crying and just like visibly fucked up because he was responsible for that. And mm. I was like, like, damn, I did not even realize or ever thought about yeah. how much emotion and pressure can be in an, an environment like that. It just never crossed my mind how intense a sport F1 can be. Yeah. Like, and, um, I'm not a massive F1 fan, but I know enough about it. And mm. I guess like, yeah, some, from someone from your perspective, from outside, you would just look at it as an individual sport, but it is a hundred percent a team sport, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that, it's about the team that you build around there and how they, well they act on the day because every one of those like changes, the pit stops mm. they have to do is like life or death sort of yeah. situation. I, I feel like I've always been sort of put off like mainstream sports. I know F1 is obviously very mainstream as well, but like my family enjoys football, right? Mm-hmm. And whenever I've had to sit down and watch, like the only time I really sort of enjoy football is during the World Cup as a lot of people do as well. But okay. watching, you know, different football matches and like, oh, that guy stubbed his toe and now he's out of the game and he's crying about it and shit. Like I've just never enjoyed that that's, element. I've, that's not football, mate. I, I know, but like, there's just, I've never found it particularly intense and interesting. I've never okay. had moments like, I've, I'll see my family watching football and there'll be, you know, really close calls and just, you know, stuff when someone's about to score and they miss or something like, and you see them stand up and, you know, scream about it because it's moments like that, which why you want to watch sports, right? And, yeah. um, and now my partner and I have moved on to season two of Drive to Survive and we're both oh, really nice. enjoying it. But last night, 
I noticed that the F1 calendar only started on the 20th of this month. Mm -hmm. And the next race is happening this weekend in Saudi Arabia. So the first race that happened on the 20th was the um, Bahrain Grand Prix. And it's like the first proper race of the season. And we watched it, we watched all of it last night. Oh, really? And I've, yeah. And I've, I've never done this before when watching any sort of live event. But near the end of the race, something mad happens to one of the teams, which consists of the two drivers just getting knocked out completely of the race. Yeah. And with how it happened, I've never had this before, but I've seen it happen when like my dad's watching, you know, football and shit. I stood up and I was like, holy shit. And I looked at my partner and she was like, oh my God. And like, just because of what happened to these two drivers and it was like, it wasn't live, but you know, it happened and we were watching it there. And it's just like, it's just fucking mad. It's like, yes. I, I never really thought about like how... It's the power of sports, mate. Like, it is, it's all storytelling at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you know, especially when you've got investment, you know, like in a TV show, you invest in characters and sport, you're invested in teams and players. Look at last night, what happened in the football. I know you guys aren't interested, but like North Macedonia knocked Italy out of the World Cup qualifiers. Mm. And it's like insane story that happened last yeah. night. And it's like these moments that really like help you get engaged with it as well. But Honestly, if I was going to say, if someone said to me, what sport would Jesse like? I feel like I would say F1 because of the, <laughs> because of the mechanical and technical side of things. I can see you appreciating yeah. that. It's just, it's crazy how intense it is. I'm not saying like, you know, it's like what, 57 or 60 laps in a race and stuff. And it goes on for like an hour and a half and stuff. But just thinking about the mental pressure of having to drive for that long, not only mm. competing with others, but having to compete with your teammate because sometimes they don't even get along having to, you know, go into a pit stop and you've got two seconds. And if it goes on for five, it feels like an hour and you might have lost the race. Like, it, I know I'm basically doing like an introduction to F1 or some shit. And it sounds no, like no. I've just discovered it, but I just never thought I'd actually get into a proper sports. I've enjoyed yeah. watching wrestling, but that's sports entertainment, not, you know, like yeah. something like, you know, F1 or football and stuff. I'm just like, I feel like I'm probably gonna, I mean, I'm definitely watching this weekend's race because I, I feel invested now. I want to I mean, see what happens. The world is like, I mean, why is there so many good documentaries out there? Because the world is full of interest in story, organic mm. interest in stories, right? And that's what sports is a lot of the time. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it can be boring, but a lot of the times they're the, they're these stories there and like, you know, you've clearly found something that can hook you into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy mm. for you. I think Matt, you, do you of... like F1? Pardon? Do you like F1? Um, like I'm on and off with it. Like my dad is super into it. And when I was at school, mm. all my friends were super into motorsports. So kind of like mm -hmm. I've yeah. got like a half, half foot in uh, drive to survive is an incredibly well-produced documentary which i think kind of helps like if you try yeah. to get mm. into it and also i think maybe it's just because like i know more about kind of like motorsport documentaries because i've watched them but i always feel like they are super well produced compared to mm. what maybe certain other sports get like for yeah. example i really recommend like a watch the senna documentary uh yeah jesse because that okay. is an incredibly well-produced like portrait of like one of the best f1 drivers of all time but it's done mm. in a story way and yeah, it yeah. doesn't like interrupt with like a ridiculous kind of voiceover or anything like that it's so <laughs> okay. organically produced but also tt closer to the edge which is like adjacent to this because it's tt motorcycle racing mm. but that is one where it finds like one particular person to follow on their journey through kind yeah. of like the isle of man tt and does that thing that Drive to Survive does it like it, in, it escalates the drama and it makes it feel yeah. almost as if it was scripted, even though everything is real? Yeah, mm. that's the thing. Like, I can definitely sense there are moments in that show. It's like, okay, they're sort of hamming up a bit of the drama mm. and stuff, but still, there's the reality of when it comes down to the race and what's happening in the race and in the you know the pit stop. All of that is real. Like, obviously, after interviews, you're gonna you might ham some shit up, or they might you know have a clip where it's not meant to be or whatever during an interview and shit because that's just TV and it's meant to be drama, but. I just didn't really ever think or realize how intense stuff like that can be because you just course, see like mate. shitty boring headlines on Twitter or on Reddit and stuff. And it's like separate clips with no context and there's nothing really to celebrate about, but actually just, I just feel like that Netflix series is just a good introduction. And I feel like I'm kind of hooked now. If you want to watch more sport documentaries, like a couple that come to mind is, have you watched The Last Dance? No, I, honestly, I've, I don't think I've ever watched any sport documentary. No, I, I would say The Last Dance is absolutely something you can watch, even mm. if you're not a basketball fan. Um, but it's just a fascinating insight into like elite, an elite athlete, like one of yeah. the greatest in the world of all time. And that is 100% put that on your list. Also, the documentary about Maradona, it's a film, yeah. a Maradona film. But it's kind of like the first one, I can't remember the name of it, that Matt mentioned where it's very observatory and it's just using old clips. There's no voiceover. Yeah. It's just watching a guy's life 
hit the absolute peak and then go the absolute mm. opposite direction afterwards. Yeah. Um, that is a fascinating thing to watch. If you're, if you have a passing interest in just seeing a bit of drama, what football and basketball can have, those yeah. two are absolutely. I, I, th I think that's the thing. Like, cause I've never really, because <laughs> cause the way I saw it as a kid, it's like, okay, my family's watching football, which means I can't play on the PlayStation 2. Therefore, <laughs> I'm not interested. It's like, it's that kind of petty shit where it's like, man, this shit looks boring. And I just never really gave it a chance. Like I watch a bit of the World Cup and, you know, it could get mad intense when you're with that sort of like, you know, that right group of friends or family yeah. and stuff. But like, yeah, F1's the only sport I ever really gave like a proper chance. And now I'm really looking forward to the qualifiers happening, which I think might be like the practice races happening today and then, you know, the actual races tomorrow and stuff. Like, I want to watch all of that now. Nice. Oh, new fan. Yeah. Cool. All right. We'll see you next time on Jesse's Super Secret segment. Yeah, see maybe what, I'll see what fucking be, doing. I'll love a football team <laughs> next <laughs> week. Who knows? Um, one thing I wanted to mention, this is a bit of a, a little vanity section, um, is I made a documentary recently and I want you all to watch it. And I just, I feel like I want to share it with you. So it's called uh, Finding Ditman. Uh, so Ditman was a guy on a message board about 15 years ago who found this glitch in Resident Evil 4. And the glitch means you can go 50% faster during the game. And this completely like changed the landscape of how Resident Evil 4 speedrun is done. Even to this mm. day, it's still the thing used. You can't do a Resident Evil 4 speedrun without using this glitch. Yeah. Uh, the interesting part to me, the why I wanted to make this, was the fact that this guy made this post. The post was since deleted from the forum because the forum was purged. And then no one ever heard from him ever again. He just disappeared. But, they, but 15 years later, everyone still calls it the Dittman glitch. It's named after him. But no one ever like spoke to him about it. So, yeah, I made a documentary. I found the guy. I spoke to him. And I got his true story about what happened and how he discovered it and what he thinks of it. And I'm very proud of it. And I'll just, you know, it'd be nice for people to check it out. So... Google search finding Ditman and you'll 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 come across it straight away. And let me know what you think as well. It is like not to spoil anything, but it's it's mad how you were able to actually track him down. Because I feel like it might have been <laughs> took a long know, time. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it just it feels like one of those things where it's like you know it's named after someone. Why has no one been bothered just to find this person who's you know yeah. popular in a speed running community and the way you come across that information and stuff? It's I'm, I guess I'm biased because I love Resident Evil yeah. and <laughs> I'm also work with you and stuff. But it's like. I really, it, it was a, it was a great watch. Thank you. Uh, I, I guess the, the interesting part to me was the fact that the post was deleted and there was no, I couldn't find mm. any evidence of him ever saying it. So I was like, well, who's to say it even happened the way like we're all, we, the rumors say it happened, you know, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I, and like this person just disappeared and like never mm. like, you know, some people these days, they might find a glitch and you know, they'd, they'd make a YouTube channel and they'd have loads of videos about how their discovery. Oh yeah. But this Dittman had none of that, none of that whatsoever. Never saw any sort of like fame or anything for mm. it. Um, so yeah, it was just a, a fascinating person to find. And also getting to hear the true story was really cool. It was, there's some, and there's some extra little twists to like how it all came together. So yeah, yeah please check it out and let me know what you think. Matt, yes. Give us an endless search. I can do that. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ones and twos, we got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah. And ones and twos, we got the games gonna play for you. Inside, I got a question for you. Is it endless search? What have you got? What have you got? What right, we got? we've had one sent in. As, as we sometimes do. But this one is from Alexander Vasquez. Now, um, he opens his email going, How do you all? It's Alex, survivor of the trauma from the holiday sandwich special of 2020. <laughs> if you'd all like to cast your minds back to uh, Christmas 2020 when the holiday uh, sandwich special happened, uh, this is Alex who had a horrendous uh, time with a... Uh, I think it was like a roast beef sandwich with red gravy. Oh, God. Uh, roast beef makes it worse. Time? I don't know why. <laughs> how can you have a horrendous time with a bit of beef? Um, you're not to listening to the special, mate. You're not listening I will. to it. It got, <laughs> it got gluey is all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, oh, no. um, Alexander has sent us in a uh, an episode. Well, I say an episode, an, is an issue, a version, whatever, of <laughs> The Endless Starch. 
So fucking hate oppressors. this game just just to like lay this groundwork. Well, I'm this... not very good at it either, which is why which I one's endless starch again? Because I haven't. It's been the one on that the makes you want to kill yourself because you <laughs> can't really think of the answer. I think that's every game on the podcast. <laughs> so the endless starch is a game where you are going to get given like a clue. And you have to guess the name of the game, but the game will have had one word change. One letter, ex- one letter, one letter change. change. Sorry. So, for example, if I said um, "1980s kind of Scarface homage, but set in a rodent enclosure," it would be GTA My City. Yeah, <sighs> I'm so shit at it. I don't think I've ever won this game ever. It drives you mad. And it's one of those ones that's like, you either get it straight away or you just forever, you can't think of it. Like, <sighs> Cardi's really good at it. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. So Alex has sent in like quite a few of these. So we'll maybe okay. go to five and see how we're going. And then if, it, if it's a struggle to get to five, well, oh, uh, yeah, we'll get yeah, that. I like, apologize to the audience in advance. <laughs> like you have no idea the pressure when these games, when you're, you're on these things. It's, oh, it's frustrating, but let's go. <sighs> right. Drop into Verdansk as you face off against other squads while visiting pub after pub after pub. Oh, um. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You're singing a song there. No. Oh, oh. Crawl of Duty Warzone? No. But, oh. like, you're obviously in the right area. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, pub, it's, well, it's a pub crawl, isn't it? But it's like, <laughs> but, uh, pub crawl. Oh my god! I'm like, yes, give me ideas. Remember, Dale, if you're changing one letter, so with crawl, like you were changing oh, yes. the word. Call of Duty Barzone. Yes, Jesse. Fucker. Well done. Motherfucker. <laughs> one to Jesse. I mean, I'm just happy we got it mm. <laughs> collectively. Should we just edit in answers? Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Um, right, your next one is raise hell politely as you navigate the world of remote conference calls for what seems like forever. I don't know what the game is. Mm. Oh, God. I know what the the, the pun is. Uh, well, the, <laughs> I don't know what the game is. Sorry, can you just repeat that again, Matt? Yeah. It is raise hell politely as you navigate the world of remote conference calls for what seems like forever. Zoom 2 Eternal, or is it Zoom Eternal? Zoom oh, Zoom Eternal, Eternal yes, yeah, yeah. very good, very good. Well, I'm then. doing all right. <laughs> I could not think of Doom Eternal. <laughs> Zoom Eternal, that's good. Right. Help Johnny Utah slash Neo slash John Wick become king of the hoops in Night City as you work your way from the streets to the league. Oh, um... Cyberdunk? Yes, Dale. <laughs> That'll be like a pretty good username. Cyberdunk. Uh, next one. Stuck in a time loop, race through a world to assassinate seven culinary visionaries that will <laughs> assemble the burrito that inevitably lend, that inevitably leads you to a bowel movement so fierce you literally die. Death poop. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be that, yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, in a flow here. What's mm. going on? I can't believe we're doing all right. That's amazing. <laughs> Don't blow your shot early as you race against other male escorts to the finish line <laughs> in a wacky and colourful obstacle battle royale. Oh, so can you say that again? I know the game, but I'm just trying to think. What? Don't blow your shot early as you race other male escorts to the finish line in a wacky and colourful obstacle battle royale. Oh, my God. oh, fuck. What is the game called? Uh, you know the game. I just can't think of what the word would be. What I will say is Alex has also been adding like quotes as kind of like a secondary hint. And okay. This okay, one is so... the most fun you can have with 99 other men. So, uh, okay. Now, and I know what the game is now, but I'm just trying to. Wait, is it with 99? Call, call Guys Ultimate Knockout? Call Guys, guys? is it, Jesse? <laughs> Sorry, the 99 threw me off because there's not 99 people in Fall Guys. It's is 60. It, is, it, is it? Come on. Oh, great. Alex, I was being a nerd on. and ruining the You've fun. Absolutely fucked it for me there, mate. <laughs> right. Um, I think we're doing all right, so I'm going to go to yeah, 10. Yeah. I think this is the best I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Our favourite Lombax and his, robot- and his robotic pal fall through a wormhole that leads them to mid-1800s California, where they relentlessly pan for gold. What the fuck is our oh. Lombax again? Oh, I know the game, but like... Uh... 
Ratchet and Clunk? No. I've told you what the game is now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Were they panned for gold? No, I'm the the panning is the, the thing you should be thinking about. Right. Sorry, uh, Mike, can you can you say that again? Yes. Our favourite Lombax and his robotic pal fall through a wormhole that leads them to mid-1800s California where they relentlessly pan for gold. Ratchet and Clank sift apart. It is, Jesse. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. nice. Very good, very good. I wasn't thinking of the subtitles. I was just thinking Ratchet and Clank. Mm -hmm. uh, in the final entry to the World of Assassination trilogy, travel to Dubai and Argentina to eliminate a nursing home cabal as the world's deadliest grandmother. Val, uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Nan Vala? Something like that? Oh, no, Val. No, it's in a trilogy. In the final entry in the World of Assassination trilogy. So, I'm, yeah, that... Travel that to, to Dubai that is and Valhalla. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no, it's... Hitnan. Hitnan. Oh, <laughs> Is that it? It's Hitman 3. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I knew it was Hitman, but I couldn't think of like how. I, was I, was of, I couldn't get Assassin's Creed out of my head. I was trying to think what you could replace Hit with, but it just didn't yeah. make sense, damn it. Hitman. <laughs> Hitman is brilliant. Here we go. Switch between two fairly mundane planes of existence in this Xbox horror exclusive and okay. attempt to withstand the boredom found in both. Oh, well, hated this bloody game. Um, <laughs> can oh, you get I it? Think what the Oh, um, sorry, can you read it again? Because I've just worked out what the game is. Mm -hmm. Switch between two fairly mundane planes of existence in this horror exclusive, in this Xbox horror exclusive, and attempt to withstand the boredom found in. Oh, the tedium. Yes. Fuck. There we go. Just, literally, as you said, it was coming into my mind as well. <laughs> right, next one. Arise, foul tarnished, and take your place on the stage as you battle to be Limgrave's next vocal superstar. Elden Sing? Yes. Jesse, you're on fire. <laughs> right. We're gonna I did not ten. know the Elden Ring stuff, by the way. Oh, yeah. As soon as you say so I was absolutely it, lost. Here we go. This will be the last one, but I think Jesse's pretty much got this. Yeah. In this 2D roguelite, work to regain your memory as you run in circles and face off against devious toilets and plumbing. In 2D roguelite. Mm. Mm, which one? I don't it? think any of yeah, us have necessarily six million. played this, but this is definitely one that both Cardi and Joe played last year. Oh, oh, be what games know. do they like? I, I'm just thinking of Dead Cells, but I don't think it's that. Um, <laughs> like Death Store or something, I don't know. One of those games I I'd say <laughs> here, the one you like think about running circles is kind of like the stuff you might want to be thinking about. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to get this one, I'm afraid. I don't. No. So the game is Loop Hero, but the actual, okay. this is Poop Hero. <laughs> That's two poops. <laughs> Death Poop and Poop Hero. This comes from the man who had the sandwich oh, that yeah. destroyed him. Yeah. Oh, man, he should have had all of them be like excrement-based. <laughs> Jesse, that was a, a wipeout for you. You got no, six play, to Dale's three. That I'm is happy never, free, ever going to happen fair. again, to be honest. Yeah, I'm happy with the free. I'll take it. <laughs> I think we both did well. <laughs> Feedback time. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've got the first one. This is from Mark Stewart. And he says, hey, folks, after chatting last week about 4DX, I thought I'd share an odd experience I've had with it. Who was any? None of us were on the podcast last week, no. were they? No. So the 4DX, you know what that is, right? When you're in the cinema and there's loads Sprays of like, sounds and... and so yeah, sprays and smell, well, smell is very applicable to what we're talking about here, but smells and sprays, things flying at you. Like think of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids rides at Disneyland. Um, back in 2016, my partner and I went to see Doctor Strange and Fantastic... Oh, they're two separate things. I thought we were saying it was one <laughs> film. I was like, that's not called that. Doctor Strange and Fantastic Beasts in 4DX. Not back to back. I feel that would have been vomit inducing. And we both came out with the same weird observation. The magic in both films smells the same. Turns out they just have one smell that they use for different films, which sort of smells like old books and WD-40. Went to see Eternals recently and could confirm that the superpowers <laughs> in that smell the same as Mads Mikkelsen tapping into the dark dimension. Weird. Uh, then also, this is 
Mark just added this, but we got a lot of emails about this, so thank you. Uh, but he says, also, Cardi, the iPod Final Fantasy-style game, which imported songs, was called Song Summoner. Though thought they were just a blatant, blatantly ripping off Final Fantasy, but it turns out it was also made by Square Enix. Seems like they did an iOS version that got discontinued around the same time I was being blasted in the face with <laughs> magic smells. Then Mark signs off with death to your enemies. So, Mark, that's not what we're looking for, mate. We want to <laughs> see respect. No enemy deaths. Um, ah, I love it. P.S. Just remembered I bloody hated the 4DX showing of Doctor Strange. I just got a nice new woolen overcoat, wore it to the cinema as it was raining. Strange flipped his car and I proceeded to get rained on while inside the cinema. <laughs> Two out of ten. Yeah, Brilliant. I don't, the 4DX thing, is that appealing? Like, why would anyone want to I'm do that? I'm trying to think of, like, films you would want to watch, like, Sonic or, I don't know, Batman or some shit. But I just, I mean, I, it makes sense to me as a theme park thing, because you know what mm. you go, well, I mean, you know what you're going in for, going to a 4DX show anyway, but you're part of the theme park. You, you know, you go in there, you're expecting to go on rides where you get wet and things like that. Like, it's part of the experience. I can't imagine wanting to watch a film I want to watch and then having to suffer like weird smells and sprays. Like, how, how much does a ticket cost for 4DX or whatever? I bet it's about, well, I was about to say I bet it's about 25 quid, but in London to see a normal fucking film isn't near enough that in Leicester yeah. Square. Um, I, do, I do love the honestly. magic smell thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a very specific <laughs> smell for magic. I've not done 4DX. I've done D-Box before. I've seen, I saw Star Trek Beyond and The Last Jedi in D-Box, which is the What's one where D-box? the the chair is like on hydraulics oh. so it links to kind of like what's going on on screen the star wars one was really bad the star trek one was actually quite good because that one was kind of i'd say this the star wars one was very much just like when people shot stuff the chair vibrated and stuff which oh, I thought right. was just a bit nonsense <laughs> The Star Trek one was kind of a bit more artfully done where it was linked to the camera movements. So okay. when it does all like the slow motion panning shots over the Enterprise, your seat moved that. with that, which <laughs> like that. as a as a gimmick was fine <laughs> for one movie. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't think I'd ever do that again. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's stick on the, the old uh, smelly conversation. I noticed that we've got a couple of emails about smells this week. Jesse, you're oh. up next. Brilliant. This is from Elliot. <laughs> Begins with, howdy, long time, many time, blah, blah. In classic IGN UK fashion, uh, last week you got to talking about the smells of chocolate factories. Wow. And I felt <laughs> lightly compelled to tell you that I grew up in the oddly named town of what, Ashby, Ashby de, la de la Touch. What? Is that how you say it? How do you say it? Well, it's Ashby de la Zouche. I think there's a typo in this. Yeah. Uh, right. Ashby okay. de la Touch. <laughs> that sounds like a, like a really smooth talking character or something. Here we, here we had McVitie's KP snacks and soap factories. On any given day, you had fresh bis- biscuits, KP nuts, or curry hula hoops. Didn't know we had curry hula hoops. Ooh, I didn't know that. Um, they sound good. Or miscellaneous clean soapy scents wafting through the air. Banging. <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes drives away um, was Burton-upon-Trent where uh, uh, Baslash Coors Brewery, is that how you say it? Yeah. Is, and i got to tell you, a significantly less pleasant smell. <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. Imagine, yeah. Keep up the good work, etc. Respect the sea. Nebulous well wishes. Cheers. Thanks, Elliot. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a nice collection of smells that's probably abused your nose for many years. Do you know what um, smell I don't get to appreciate as much anymore, I feel like? And maybe it's because I don't live with my parents like I did when I was a kid. But the smell of creosote. I felt like my dad that? was... I felt like my dad... It's like a... a fence coating. Like, yeah, a fence coating, like sort of oh, paint okay, light. Right. But it's also like to protect it. Um, but my dad used to do it all the time, I guess. But I've, I felt like a concierge was outdoors and had the smell of creosote wafting around me. <laughs> it's good. I like it. It's like petrol, the smell of petrol. It's nice as well, isn't it? Nope, just me. Okay. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, right. who's up next? We've got one in from James Salter who says, Hi there, IGN guys and gals. Not so long not not so long time listener, first time messenger. <laughs> first off, absolutely love the podcast. I've been listening for a few months now, and it certainly makes my Monday commute childcare drop off much easier. Keep it up. In reference to last week's GTA 5 mention of surely no one has not played it with the exception of primary school children and Amazonian tribes, (laughs) I felt obliged to write in. I can confirm I'm a near 30-year-old, bar a couple of months, who has not. I'm a frequent campaign gamer too. I was an avid player of Vice City, San Andreas and GTA 4 back in the day, and surely I was set up nicely for number 5. Despite all of this, GTA 5 is 
something that has eluded me somehow. I owned a copy on the Xbox 360 and played the prologue, and I think I may have tried the online on occasion. However, that was that was it, and I've never played it again. I then purchased it for Xbox One, but never touched it, so here I am purchasing it for a third time on PS5. Jesus. It's not like I haven't been gaming. It's not like I haven't been gaming either. I made my way through some pretty average titles to completion since the original release, including many open world games. To add in, to add in my most played game of 2021 was the averagely reviewed Immortals: Phoenix Rising, in which a thoroughly enjoyable 100% completion was achieved. Jesus. Honestly, if this doesn't get a sequel, I'll be very upset. I'm pretty sure me and my friends are in the unofficial <laughs> fan club. I'm, How long is that game? Like... Um, I don't think it's like it's not. Assassin's Creed length is it like it's a shorter okay. open world game from UV right um, I think if the rumours turn out to be true it is getting a sequel as well oh really um, well rumours hot hot what, yeah, yeah. what can you talk about the rumour melee <laughs> I was under the impression it's, I feel like this happens with Ubisoft a lot I was always under the impression that game didn't perform well but then clearly if they make a sequel it clearly did yeah yeah, yeah I just assumed that it wasn't going to get anywhere but um, mm. hey ho I, I, I quite liked Immortals. Like, I think it's average, but I, yeah. I enjoyed what I played of it. Um, to make matters worse, I own Red Dead Redemption 2 on both PlayStation and Xbox, <laughs> and yet shamefully I've only done the what? prologue for that too. <laughs> Maybe I have a subconscious vendetta against Rockstar. Perhaps if they give Max Payne back to Remedy, this will all change. Mm, yes. Anyway. Doesn't sound like it's a subconscious vendetta. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is there any games that you guys have surprisingly only scratched the surface of without di- without reason, despite it being a renowned classic? Perhaps one that you've told the others that you have. Spill the beans. <laughs> uh, despite my poor Rockstar gaming form, I hope you won't make me walk the plank as you are well aware that we must respect the scene. <laughs> Best yeah. regards and thanks again for the great content. James from Stafford. Jesse, I know what yours is. Go on then. God of War. Yeah, I was just about to say that. It's God of War. Like, it's, everyone tells me it's like one of the best games ever and shit, and I've tried playing it like three times, and I get about a couple hours in, I'm like, nah. It I'm is genuinely fussed. one of the best games. It I mean, is. Yeah, like, no, I know, because everyone, everyone says we're it. We're not lying. Just, no, no, I know that, but I just don't think I care. No, so that's not going to play. <laughs> I guess the, the, the point here is, is without reason, and every game that I've stopped playing and people like is a, usually a reason is I, it's not for me or I don't like it. So I can't yeah, think of any that I would just not stop playing randomly. Mm, like, that's the thing, like, with God of War, at least, like, I recognise that it's a good game, and it, like, I know it's a good game, but I'm just not set, yeah. like, I don't have a sense of why I should play anymore. I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. I did it's play weird. the very first episode of Life is Strange to completion, mm. but I just quickly summarised, this not shit you. is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, everyone else enjoys it, that's fine. I just know I'm never going to play any of those games. I can't think of a less Dale Driver game in existence than Life Oh, is Strange. I can. There's yeah. several, like, Japanese RPGs. Like, Are you never going to play Persona 5, which took me 99 hours to play through now? No. Suikoden, <laughs> or whatever it's pronounced. I, again, they're like, <laughs> you, well, I don't even know how you pronounce half these things. The ones with chronicles in them and stuff like that. Yeah, just not for If me. it's a JRPG, he's <laughs> not interested. That's not true. I grew up playing JRPGs. Like, I loved Final Fantasy games. What changed so. you, Dale, then? What changed you? Uh, I mean, some are, some are very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like Dragon I mean, Quest that, is not the same as Final Fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. When I'm, I, I also like I find if I'm gonna invest like shitload of time, like I have to be intre- into it from the start. If it mm. loses me after an hour or so, then yeah, like were you with Ghostwire, you know? Sometimes yeah, yeah, you just yeah. know, and there's so many good games out there, it's not worth plowing mm. on. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, was say, I don't I think I have anything to contribute to this. Like, I can think of like in in terms of Rockstar games. Like, I've never played Bully, but it's not like I played the opening to Bully and never went back yeah. to it. I've just never played mm. it. Yeah. I have done that with games where I've played them before, and then I've gone back to play them years later, and then I actually start them up again, and I realize actually I don't really want to play this after about an hour <laughs> or so. When I realize that it just it's very dated now, I honestly feel like I will be like that with GTA Five. I haven't started playing it yet, but. Um, my memory of last time I played GTA 5 is how outdated like the movement feels mm-hmm. in that game now. I feel yeah. like it never felt like it had a one-to-one sort of rate. Like, like I'd press the button, I always felt like there was a delay, you know? Like, I always remember the, mm. how clunky it is hurdling over things in that game as well. Um, and I, obviously they improved that for Red Dead too, but I feel like yeah. GTA 5 might be the step backwards that I don't mm. want. I had, I had um, sort of something like that with um, the new Horizon. Like, you know, I, I never really gave the first game much of a chance and then everyone said like, hey, you know, this 
second one's even better and stuff. And you don't really need to play through the first one. Played an hour of the second one. I was like, this is good. I'm having fun. Just never picked up again. I yeah, I would say why. it's one of those ones that Horizon, they 100%, you know, a slow start on those yeah, games, yeah. I feel like. It really takes a while to really get into the proper fun part of that game, which is, you know, taking on big dinosaurs, you know, mm. working out how to creatively do that. Um, especially the first game, I think it takes a very long time before you really get into it. Mm. Um, not that it's an excuse, you know. Yeah. Um, cool. I just, I just want to say, Dale, have you checked the... Um, our Slack. I have. Uh, my Slack's <laughs> gone off mad. I've just had someone send me a message saying, can you respond? This is time urgent. I was like, fuck, I'm in a podcast. Um, oh, no, yeah. I just wanted to bring up what just Joe mentioned and how you've basically been tormenting his life without you knowing it. Yeah, like, I need to read this properly. What is it? Uh, this is fun for the listeners. <laughs> um, something about an old image and it's me from E3 in 2018 holding stacking four Corona cans on top of each other. <laughs> And that image has been causing him problems with his entire drive. <laughs> Maybe Joe can regale us to that story next time he's on. <laughs> but yeah, look at my face. Yeah. Day um, of the evil spirit in phones. It's bound to happen. Yeah. Um, I haven't thought about music for this. What we got? Um, Sing for us, Dale. Nah. Um, <laughs> the After Party has a really good theme tune, actually. So maybe I'll put that in the end. I really like Go it. Go on then. Have a bit of fun. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And I remember if you've got feedback, send it to... What's the email address, Jesse? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, is it IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com? Is that yeah, right? you did the, you did the easy part, um, like the hard part, and then you struggled with the easy part. Yeah, I yeah, know. <laughs> I'm uh, glad yes, after three years being here, I remembered. Yeah, IGN underscore UK feedback, IGN.com. If you've, if you've experienced weird smells... Or, um, or if you have any stories like James about games that you started and then just never went back to for no reason, let us know. That's it. Thanks, wow. guys. See you week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Sorry, a bit oh, of a clunky ending there. Uh, <laughs> just leave that in. Leave that in.